Hey friends, thanks for joining in on another episode of Cast the Word. Today we're starting part three of our past, present, and future series with the season titled Fast Forward. And our topic today, we're going to be discussing heaven and hell. Thank you guys so much for joining us today as we start our new season. We just wrapped up part two of our past, present, and future series with our play and pause season. In that season, we discussed some important fundamental topics we must understand as a New Testament follower of Christ. We discussed issues like salvation, the Holy Spirit, and wisdom, and faith. And if you missed any of those episodes, please feel free to check them out. And today, we're going to start part three of our series where we're going to be discussing the future in the past, present, and future model. And as I mentioned, this season is titled Fast Forward, and we'll be looking forward to the future in this season. And today we're starting out just a little heavy, but we really cannot talk about the future from a spiritual perspective without addressing the topic of both heaven and hell. And as I was putting this episode together, I had really planned on this being one episode where we discuss both heaven and hell together. But as I started putting the content together, I quickly realized that it is best to actually separate these into two different episodes because there's just so much to talk about. So this is part one of heaven and hell. And in this episode, we are going to focus specifically on hell. And the next episode, we'll focus specifically on heaven. And while hell may not be a reality for those of us that are born-again Christians, as believers, I believe it is important for us to still talk about the reality of hell for two reasons. To energize and remind us that hell is a real place, and to remind us that many people are headed there, and we should do our best to try to lead people to Christ as we walk through this life. But we need to make sure our mindset is right for our own personal drive to live for Christ. We should always live as followers because we want to have a strong relationship with him and because we want to please our father. Our motivation to live for Christ should not be to live as a Christian so I don't go to hell. So I want to just clarify here while we're talking about hell as believers looking in the future. So I hope that that makes sense to you guys um, today as we get started. But before we get into today's content, if you are a new listener, I want to first thank you for joining in today. And I want to remind all listeners to subscribe to us wherever you listen to our podcast so that you are notified of future published episodes. I also wanted to call out our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us by searching Cast the Word, and here we strive to provide updates on our podcast. So if you have these platforms, then feel free to like and follow us there. Also, if you would like to join in on our email mailing list, you can do so by going to casttheword.com, scrolling down to the bottom, and entering in your email address there. So with that out of the way, let's get started today. We hear so much about heaven and hell today, especially in the world of entertainment. And unfortunately, most of what we hear are misconceptions and false narratives. And this indoctrination that we have in this world, that hell is someplace light where we can say things like, I'll see you in hell, or that we're going to party while we're there, or that the devil has horns and a pitchfork. You know, those concepts, we're really only fooling ourselves if we buy into that mentality. And unfortunately, Hollywood paints a lot of that propaganda in our minds. So aside from the false pictures that Hollywood has portrayed about heaven and hell, we also have different schools of thought about what these places are or what they represent. One of these schools of thought is that heaven and hell are not literal places, but instead some type of metaphor that represents an afterlife reward or consequence relative to the way we lived our lives on earth. We have other schools of thought that subscribe to the ideals that there is no literal hell, that everyone goes to heaven because God is love and he would not allow this type of suffering. This is 
referred to a lot of times as universalism. There are also schools of thought that if someone goes to hell, then they can escape it, or that there is complete annihilation. Once a person goes there, they just simply cease to exist. And finally, we have perspectives that there is no afterlife at all, that when we die, we just face eternal darkness, and that's that. And the fact is that according to the Bible... All of these schools of thought are wrong, and hopefully today we're going to set the record straight. This narrative that I'm about to paint does not include my own thoughts, feelings, opinions, or perspectives, so I just want to get that out of the way. Ultimately, my thoughts, opinions, and perspectives are irrelevant. Uh, instead, what I'm going to attempt to do today, with the help from God, is to effectively communicate the fact that heaven and hell are not metaphors, that there is a literal heaven, and that there is a literal hell, and that unfortunately not everyone who takes their last breath goes to heaven. Now that's not my subjective opinion on the matter either. I wish it were easier to communicate or easier to comprehend. It would definitely make this easier to say, but that's just not the way that it is. If you believe the Word of God, and if you believe in the words spoken by Jesus, then we have to accept that truth. From a biblical interpretation standpoint, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood for the remission of our sins, then you have to believe the rest of the book. We can't just pick and choose out of the Bible what we want to believe and what we don't to satisfy our own fleshly minds and desires. We must either believe in the Bible in its entirety, or we must not believe it at all. And we must understand that this Christian walk is not about us shaping God into a model that we want him to be. It is not about us creating within our own minds the God we want him to aspire to be. No, as a Christian, we believe or we should believe who the Bible says our God is. And while there are aspects we may not understand or we may not be able to comprehend, the Bible even addresses this as well in the book of Isaiah, that his thoughts are not our thoughts and that his ways are not our ways. His ways are higher and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So it really isn't our place to try to put God in a box or mold and shape him into who we think he should be. His word will stand. He is who he is and his word is what he says he is and every jot and every tittle of his word will come to pass. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will remain timeless. He is the creator of the universe, a mighty and a holy God, and we are called to place our trust in him, to have faith in him, to love and worship him, and to seek him out in our lives. So I went around the world and said all of that to say this, that if we are believers of the Bible, then we must accept that there is a literal place called heaven and hell. And while it may be hard for some of us to comprehend, not everyone who passes away will go to heaven. And that's just what the Word of God says. And according to Luke 16, we read about the rich man and Lazarus, and there is no escaping. Once you're there, you're there, and there is no annihilation. Hell is a place of conscious torment. But understand that it's not God's will that any should perish. Hell wasn't even created for us, guys. According to Matthew 25, 41, hell is a place that was created for Lucifer and the fallen angels after their fall. But we cannot approach a holy God as a sinful people. It's the whole reason why Jesus came and died for us so that we don't have to go there. So there is a heaven and there is a hell and not everyone will go to heaven. In fact, the Bible paints the picture that many will go to hell. But don't take my word for it. I told you we're going to get heavy today, right? <laughs> this is what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13 through 14. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Listen to the words here that Jesus chose to use, and I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation. He says, referring to the broad way, it's the highway to hell that many choose that way. The gateway to life, only a few find it. Key words there, many 
and few. So you may ask yourself, if I die today, where will I end up? Well, the answer to that question depends on which road you're on. Are you on the broad path that leads to destruction, or are you on the narrow path that leads to life? Are you born again and living for Jesus, or are you living for the world and yourself, practicing a life of sin in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life? The way of the world is broad. It's the easy way, guys. You, you just have to jump in the stream and go where the river takes you. There's not much that's required of you in this path. It's the easy way. Does this mean that you're a bad person? I'm using air quotes there. No, not necessarily. But do good people go to hell? Yes. There are people in hell that may have led successful charitable foundations or doctors that may have saved many lives or people that maybe took care of the poor or the widows, but doing those things don't buy you a ticket to heaven. Now, we're going to discuss the doctrine of good deeds here in a moment, but before we get there, understand what I'm about to say, I'm saying strictly from the standpoint of eternal life or eternal death, okay? Whether or not you are a good person does not buy your salvation. From the perspective of whether or not you make it into heaven, your goodness is not what ensures eternal life. Now, we all need to be good, and the Bible teaches us to do good deeds, but what I'm saying here is that your good deeds do not equal your salvation. God is a holy God and sin cannot stand in his presence. Yet we are a sinful people and we need a savior. And that's where Jesus came in. His blood is a blanket over our sins. And that is the only way we can get into heaven. There is only one way to get to heaven and that is by the remission of your sins through the blood of Jesus. You can only enter in through Jesus, after you've confessed your sins and lived life serving him, because remember, believing is the stepping stone, but that's not all. Even the demons believe. The question is, after you believe and get your sins forgiven, are you living for him? That's the question. 2 Corinthians 5:14 through 15 says, Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can get to the Father unless they go through him. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Now going back to the good deeds comment, James teaches us that once we have been born again, according to John 3, we become a new creature in Christ and that our faith should produce good works. But this goes hand in hand with our salvation. Our good works don't equal our salvation, but our salvation should produce good works. So I just want to take a moment here and carve this part out and discuss the argument of good deeds since there is a lot of confusion here from a secular perspective. Romans 2, 5 through 8 says, But because of your calloused heart and refusal to change direction or your sin, you are piling up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment is revealed. For he will give to each one in return for what he has done. For those living in constant goodness and doing what pleases him, seeking an unfading glory and honor and imperishable virtue, will experience eternal life. Now I'm going to come back to that verse here in just a second. But those governed by selfishness and self-promotion, whose hearts are unresponsive to God's truth and would rather embrace unrighteousness, will experience the fullness of wrath. Now the subject of this verse is judgment not justification, okay? So we read Romans 2, um, for those living in constant goodness and doing what pleases him, seeking an unfading glory and honor and imperishable virtue will experience eternal life. That subject in this verse is judgment. We're going to read Revelation 20 in a moment, and it is the same concept here as well. Romans 3.22, Paul says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So in Romans 2, it is not the good works that justifies us, 
us or saves us. Rather, the good works help in judgment and can earn rewards in heaven after placing our faith in Jesus for our salvation. So there is no contradiction here, and I just want to clarify that. I wanted to specifically mention this because I feel like there is a lot of misconceptions out there in the secular world in regards to the belief that good works get you into heaven. It is the faith that saves us. The good works are not our salvation. Remember Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. I feel like we quote this verse um, quite often on this podcast, at least in the past few episodes. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. When we do good works before accepting Christ, we are doing them in the flesh, which cannot please God, but doing good works after salvation in the Spirit is what pleases God. So now that we got that out of the way, I want to dive into some scripture today that show us the truth that hell does exist, that it is not a metaphor, and that there is a specific place. And while hell does equal judgment for those that have not committed their life to Christ, there is hope for those that have. And if you're listening to this podcast today and you have not committed your life to Christ, there is still hope for you as well. And even if we're not going to hell right now for our, for the believers that are listening, even if we're not going to hell, many of our friends and our loved ones may be headed that way. So it is imperative for us to all do our part to try to lead people to Christ. But before we dive into that, our life structure and mindset in an effort to live on the straight and narrow and get to heaven should not be built upon religion. The last thing I want to do in this podcast is come across as a Pharisee and teach religion here. This whole thing Our whole life with Christ and the process of transitioning to the afterlife after death should all be focused on the cornerstone of our faith, which is Jesus and our relationship with him. We're going to mess up along the way. We're human. We're not perfect. And we must learn as Christians to love people no matter what, hate sin, but love people, period. Okay, so I will never teach religion on this podcast, a list of do's and don'ts, but also understand when we become saved through Christ, there are things we should want to give up in order to be made better through him and by him. And this is called sanctification. And there are some things we must not practice, which will quote some of those scriptures near the end. So recognize the balance here, okay? We're no longer under the law. We're not living like the Pharisees, but salvation should help us want to live better lives through sanctification by the help of the Holy Ghost in an effort to shed away things in our life that may displease the Father. That's what it means in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So let's start by looking into what the Bible says about hell. As I mentioned earlier, in our earthly minds, we try to rationalize or comprehend that hell cannot be real simply because of how destructive the Word of God portrays it. Or we try to ignore it altogether, but that is what the enemy wants us to do. Okay, you see, the devil wants to sit on God's throne, and he never will. So the best way he can get to God is through his creation. And I believe the enemy tries to plot this confusion to keep our minds off of what is simple. So we mentioned some concepts earlier, like annihilation and universalism. And universalism is is where all people are saved and all go to heaven. But if that were true, then it denies the work that Christ did for us on the cross. If we are all saved, then why is John 3.16 in the Bible? And why did Jesus talk so much about a place called hell? We also discussed the concept that a loving God would not send people to such a horrible place. But God has provided us the way to salvation, so we do not have to go there. Yet we still have free will. We're not robots. And we have to decide 
how we want to live our life. Matthew 13, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up onto the shore, sat down, and sorted the good fish into crates, but threw the bad ones away. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. John 15, 5-6, Jesus says, I am the sprouting vine, and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. Revelation 20 discusses the final judgment, and John says, And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done and recorded in the books. And anyone whose name was not recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So unfortunately, those that are not accepting of Jesus will experience this place. And it is a literal place, friends. These are just a few verses that discuss hell, but there are many more out there that I didn't touch on. And the basis of our Christianity falls on John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In order to not perish, we have to believe in him, which is even mentioned in John 3.36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. If you do not enter Enter into that covenant with God through his son Jesus and abide in him according to John 15, then his wrath abides on you simply because we are a sinful people. And it is our sins, our fleshly desires, that separates us from the holiness of God. It started way back when in the Garden of Eden, and it will continue until the end of time. So if there is no hell, then we have to ask ourselves, why did Jesus come in the first place? Especially when Luke 19 verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. If there's no hell, then why do we need saving? But remember, hell wasn't meant for us. But because God is holy and perfect, sin cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And if if we have not been covered by the blood, then we are dispelled from entering. Jesus came to protect us from hell because God's holiness and perfection prevents sin from entering in. And since hell wasn't meant for us, God doesn't want us to go there. It's not his will that any should perish, but ultimately that choice belongs to us and how we choose to serve this life. During Jesus' ministry, while he was on earth, he talked about hell quite a few times, and one time in particular stands out. And I'd like to read this story if I may. It's from Luke 16, 19, and many of us know it. It's about the rich man and Lazarus. Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate laid a poor man named Lazarus, who was covered with sores. As Lazarus laid there, longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There, in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted 
and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent from their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets... They won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Many of us have heard this story over the years, and and I'm sure we've heard many sermons over the years preaching this as well. Um, But, you know, the most troubling part of this story to me is that the rich man had his memory. The rich man remembered his family on earth, and he was tormented both physically and mentally. He asked for Lazarus to come and dip his finger in water and just touch his tongue. And then he asked to go warn his family. He wanted someone to go warn his family about this place. And to me, that is extremely troubling. You know why? It's because the thing about hell is that there is physical torment, but there's also mental torment. And you'll never have rest from this torment, which means that those there remember everything. If we ascribe to to believing the Bible in this story, then that means that when you go to hell, you have your memory, you have your mind, and you remember everything and arguably probably go over in your head throughout eternity wishing that you would have done things differently. Hell is a place of conscious torment. There is no annihilation, friends. There is no universalism. There is no second chances. The Bible makes that abundantly clear. We have one shot and there is a heaven and a hell. And to avoid this place, we must place our faith in Jesus and live out life under the blood. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11 says, Surely you must know that people who practice evil cannot possess God's kingdom realm. Stop being deceived. People who continue to engage in sexual immorality, idolatry, adultery, sexual perversion, homosexuality, fraud, greed, drunkenness, verbal abuse, or extortion, these will not inherit God's kingdom realm. It's true that some of you once lived in those lifestyles, but now you have been purified from sin, made holy, and given a perfect standing before God, all because of the power of the name of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and through our union with the Spirit of God. And Galatians 5, 19-23 says, But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? None of us are perfect, guys. We have all sinned, and we all miss the mark. But we cannot ignore the Word of God, and we cannot tear out pages that we don't like. Now, we must not be religious about this either, and I really want to highlight that. We have to love people, hate the sin, pray for our friends and family, and pray for ourselves so we don't fall off our path either. None of us are above our neighbors, okay? We have to live life in love. Love your neighbor as yourself, even if you disagree with them. The best medicine for those 
you love that's on the wrong path is prayer and love. Okay, prayer works and God can change hearts. And even though we are saved, we must stay reminded that there are folks that are headed to this terrible place. Our job as Christ followers is to help lead others to Christ so they too can avoid this terrible place. Jesus came to save the world and we have to do our parts to remind others of his saving grace and remind ourselves of that as well. Friends, I didn't really expect to dedicate a whole episode to this topic, but again, I thought it might be best to split this episode into two parts because as I was going through this, I just realized there's just way too much to cram in one episode. So this is part one, and then in the next episode, uh, we're going to discuss the glorious hope of eternity in heaven with Jesus. And I recognize that as believers, we are saved from this place of torment, but again, it's always good to be reminded to motivate us to pray for our friends and family and to help others as well, right? So again, the next episode, we're going to be talking about heaven. Stay tuned for that episode coming soon. Let's all do our part to cast the word. Stay strong in the faith, and I look forward to talking to you next time.